All right. Hey, hi, and hello. This is Ray Lockdust, and this is Serious and Sober with Velvet Wells. Hey, everybody. Hi, Ray. Hi. Th thanks so much for doing the show with me. I, um, great, great honor. Um, you are the closest thing to a stranger that I've had on the show, and we've known each other for a year, so big yep. honor, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we travel in the same circles, but because it's a circle, we're not at the same end all the time. Yeah, but every now and then I, every time that we've come into contact, it's because I'm doing a show and I grab you, so. Yeah, and thank you for that. Oh, and thank you for always agreeing to be part of my shindigs. Mm. <laughs> All right, so moving forward. Today, we are going to be talking about queer representation in the media. So we have 20 questions and a 20-sided die. Nice. So we are going to give it a roll and see what questions we um, come up with as we go down my list. And we're going to have fun doing it while we talk about serious things because life is serious. But yeah, uh, I do want to say that I have a dice modifier of plus three for snarkiness. So uh, <laughs> that should come in our favor. <laughs> I look forward to you using it. <laughs> All righty. Number 10. All right. To begin, why are slurs harmful even when they're used improperly? Uh, all slurs are used improperly. That is their <laughs> intention. Uh, sl look, slurs, I, I mean, we we've grown up uh, everywhere around the world has this opinion on somebody being better than somebody else. So slurs are universal and they're always improper because they are meant to demean and to harm. And uh, even if the individual or even if the group has learned uh, to shield themselves, to thicken their skin, to uh, embrace it, to m ignore it, move past it, there is still a harm being caused. So, mm -hmm. uh, so for me, at least, um, I, you know, I, I think the, there's the obvious in the moment harm that, that happens. There is also the, uh, you know, if there's an audience of some sort, intended or unintended audience, they pick it up secondhand. Uh, you then internalize it. And Absolutely. there are times where you build up in your own mind of this script of A equals X and you don't mean to, it's not conscious, but you start to use some of this language or, or some of that energy toward people who bear any similarity to the original victims mm -hmm. uh, that, that you've witnessed or been, been yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. In um, my, my own experience, I was raised in a problematic household. And I, I had to learn the hard way about a lot of slurs. Mm. Um, just um, my parents would refer to like, friends they don't like as different. Um, I, I wouldn't say friends they don't like, but like friends they tease. Yes. And they like different derogatory terms. And I being a kid would just be like, oh, that's what we call this person. That's their name. And we don't like them. And then I would just equate like, like I, I hate using any slur, but like the F word. Yep. <laughs> I yep. would equate that to my dad's friend, Tom, who annoys me a lot. So then I would catch on and continue using it to call it like, like the kids at school that. And then I was yep. told what it meant. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I yeah absolutely I I 
when people say, oh, those were different times, well, we've always, right now is a different time than a minute ago. Like, it's mm -hmm. always a different time. It's not really an excuse. And, and for me, it always comes down to, yes, own your culpability and your education at the time. And if you have improved from then, it can be something that's historical for you, but it doesn't give you an excuse to let your grandparents who continue to do it. And if you've changed and grown to not say something or not uh, interrupt that habit that they've formed for themselves. Yeah. Uh, I am really not a fan of it was a different time because I grew up through those times and it sucked. And, mm -hmm. and also I was just as guilty. Uh, like the story you just gave, I also, in my, there was a neighborhood that I lived in. We teased this person for that thing. We teased that person for that thing. And it, because that was the culture of that neighborhood, it didn't mm -hmm. make it right. Uh, they certainly didn't like how they felt. I realized how they felt. And, uh, you know, and, and so I carried that with me too of the, well, I don't want to feel this way. I really don't want to feel that way. Um, so yeah, I, slurs are like, I'm trying to think of if there's ever a time when, you know, how sometimes like there's a swear word and you go, oh, you know, it's really satisfying to say fuck. It just like, it, oh, like that just, there are times, I'm trying to think of if there's a time where it, like the only time I can think where it feels good to demean somebody is when your ego or your pride has been hurt and you want to make them feel bad. Like I can see, yeah. I, and I'm not saying that I think that the slur is good. I'm just saying I could see that rationale of the, I'm lashing, I am lashing out at you because you lashed out at me. Mm hmm yeah, and that's like, like it's one of those um, situations where just because it explains a retaliation doesn't mean it justifies it. Yes. Yep. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a very thorough answer. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, do you have anything else to add about the um, harmful use of slurs or shall we roll? Uh, I, I think that my answer around slurs would be the same thing about any kind of phobias or, or whatever, and that is just because there's a, a seeming majority number of people who continue to do it doesn't make mean that it's right and doesn't mean that we should let people off the hook for it. Yeah. So, so for me, it's like I, I don't accept that as a... And, so I found that uh, there's a lot of media that I've consumed where I don't enjoy the characters in the way that other people like, oh, I love this character. It's like, uh, I want to, but they keep saying this or they keep act acting in those ways that I find that I find harmful. And so it's not that I'm trying, I can't stop people from enjoying what they enjoy, but I wouldn't want to be part of it. So there, there are times with theater or with film where I'm like, oh yeah, I would love to be up on the screen, but I would never play that role. Like I would be fired day one if they, if I read the script and they said, you have to say this because it was the times or it was the, this is, yeah. this is how your character shows that you are hurt on the inside, but you're, you know, like, no, no, that's mm -hmm. not the way it's, it's not the way it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, an example that I've like, like that I've um, encountered or discussed with people is um, you want, it's, it's realistic to display a misogynistic character or a homophobic character. And it's just like, I, I get that those people do exist and I'm all for realistic portrayal of yeah. life. But sometimes when people grow up um, idolizing people like Archie Bunker because they don't get the fact that he was the butt of the joke, that can be a huge problem. 
that one, that one, uh, I grew up with that show. And uh, that was the problem for me is that even with people saying this is a comedy, he is making fun. My neighborhood, that was my neighborhood. Like the, everybody yeah. was, uh, most of the parents or grandparents were Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I mean, even Meathead, like the, even uh, the nickname of Meathead uh, was like, I threw that around. People threw that around, even though he, Rob Reiner was playing the character who was good <laughs> in yeah. all of this. He was progressive and he was on the side of right in history. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I, I remember a friend of mine uh, was, was putting together a PSA, uh, a public service announcement, and, uh, and was trying to cast friends and wanted, uh, the role was, it, it was around assault or abuse in some way and had asked if I'd be willing to be part of this. I'm like, I can't. I can't, I mean, I get it. I know that the end result of this piece is towards something good, but even the idea of portraying that kind of character is like, that's so far away from where I want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I have, um, in my days as a woman, I had to <laughs> take on some, um, I had to do a problematic role where I was like, like I was a, I was a sexual assaulter. And mm. it was something that is just like, because that it was the point of the video was to show that women can be abusers. And I thought like it was a good message. So for me, I was comfortable doing something like that because it was out of the norm and it showed a different message. And I think that that is like, the difference in, um, well, portrayals and like different, and the meanings behind those stereotypes that like you're either following to destroy or getting Yes, right. Yeah, I I think I hear you. Uh, I, at least I feel like I hear you in that. And, and I'm not going to say carte blanche. I'm never going to play a character who has multi dimensions to them. And I'm not expecting mm-hmm. to play perfect, wonderful people like myself. I recognize <laughs> I have to stretch a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think I think where where your interest and uh, where you get that sense that this is working toward change as opposed to modeling things we don't want to see anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's the kind of, um, I, I've been, um, that involvement in that project is something like, it's, it's been like two and a half years and I'm still not sure about it. <laughs> so I just like, that's why I use it as an example because it is definitely like a potentially problematic thing that I was a part of, but I, I, uh. <laughs> yeah, I look, I've had to, I've made rent money for, for a long time. So I understand there are things you do and you go, okay, well, this is, you know, I, I worked, I worked in, in corporate Canada for a long time and recognizing that even if they aren't specifically doing something themselves, they are part of a network that supports each other and, uh, you know, not good things happen. Uh, and they're on the side of money, not on the side of humans. Um, so we make rent sometimes, and and us surviving it is the greater good. Yeah. Sometimes we have to remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. I was saying that mostly yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was a good lesson for all. <laughs> yeah. We're all, we're all good. Yeah. All right. Um, 
question question two slash whatever I roll. Sure. <laughs> 16. Why is there such an imbalanced power dynamic in the media in regard to like um, portrayal of um, like it's all straight romance? Why is like why why do you think that um, we have kind of accepted heteronormity as the norm? I mean, historically, uh, the Christian slash patriarchy slash white bodied supremacy has had the power and they want to see themselves far more than they care about anybody else seeing themselves. In fact, not showing anybody who is different from the power group is a way of keeping them in their place. Uh, heteronormative uh, relationships really is just one thin slice of what's available out there. Uh, right. So the fact that they've had the power, I mean, it's the power of the money that they've used both the morality of, you know, in terms of the church, the lens through the church, uh, even in America where the church hasn't had direct power in the same way as it has uh, historically in, in Europe. Uh, it is still a powerful force and it is, uh, you know, they generate a lot of revenue. So uh, even if they're not saying directly to the networks, this is the way it has to be, they're telling their, their parishioners, this is how you should be looking at things. And those people are going out and demanding that they see themselves represented. Um, I, uh, it, I, I, so, I mean, I, I, I'm not part of, network television i don't know who's pushing all of the levers in the in the background but uh today i was on twitter and i saw a a tweet talking about the igbo tribe and how before christians ca came into that part of africa they had um part of their relationship arrangement was they could have a paramour and the partner would know about it and it was fine it was fine until the Christians came in and went, thou shalt not. And, uh, and in this tweet, it was talking about, you know, this translation of the no more having fun with this, uh, with this relationship, you know, and, and then the yeah. biblical change of that thing. So it's not like um, monogamous straight relationships were all the rage throughout history uh, forever and ever, and nobody ever tried anything else. It mm -hmm. was that the people who were making it uh, had a very narrow lens for what all of these things meant yeah. or, or could mean. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I want to add just um, a bit of the history and reasoning behind uh, America being such a big powerhouse in the media. And a lot of that, just because like, it's interesting and it's just like kind of a screw those guys kind of thing. <laughs> um, basically, it's a combination of the effects of Thomas Edison being Thomas Edison and World War II. So what happened was at the rise of the film industry, Thomas Edison got his hands on a lot of different patents for a lot of different um, like like film um, not only methods but just the the tools themselves 
So it just made it almost impossible or at least extremely expensive for other people all over the world to make film in the same quality. So that's kind of why Hollywood was able to have that power dynamic and like that big rise. And at the same time, as you have the European film industry trying to grow and match um, with America, you have the 30s <laughs> and then inevitably the 40s. And it just kind of, um, we'll say, distracted Europe from the film industry because they had different things going on. And while um, all of the action was, was in like, Europe and overseas, you have America who's just back home telling their story about how they're doing everything. And yeah. as history and it's back, <laughs> yeah, that's their story. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we know someone who knows someone who was there. So I was basically there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that and, and Edison, I like how you say Thomas Edison got his hands on patents, uh, you know, which is a very, very polite way of saying uh, how he actually did it. <laughs> which was very racist and um, not at all gentlemanly. Um, uh, yeah. Not a, not a good dude. Not at all. No. <sighs> That's <Yeah>. history. <laughs> uh, and he was, and he was allowed. He was, that was, he uh, was, he was in a position of power and, you know, and that whole idea of, um, you know, being rich and powerful, being the American way, uh, there's a lot of forgiveness, or there was a lot of forgiveness, uh, which we now, I, well, I mean, it's still happening. Uh, but a lot, there are a lot more eyeballs, a lot more dissenting eyeballs saying that's not cool. Yeah, definitely is. Like, um, social media has had such a great impact on um, so many different kinds of movements like that um and just bringing awareness because it's just like how people can you know send a tweet like oh ellen's secretly mean <laughs> or not secretly mean yeah i absolutely agree like social social media has democratized it in a way which is why so many corporations have tried to own it and tried to shape it and and shut it down and because they don't like the fact that their message isn't being believed uh, as as much or as readily as it used to. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for me, a lot of the uh, a, a lot of those stories of the uh, boy meets girl, girl and boy obviously love each other uh, happily ever ever is like, I mean, it's trite and it's it's ham fisted and it's unnatural really yeah. <laughs> in, most, in most cases it's it's usually a, a a um a not a kidnapping what is it with adults it's um uh what's that term when you when you kidnap an adult it's entrapment for sure uh a kidnap an adult oh my goodness yeah like it, it's it, there's an official term for when like it's human trafficking also but um that's marriages sometimes um, anyways, <laughs> there's a term, whatever that term, it's like, it's, it's, there's this power dynamic and there's expectation from society of the, you are supposed to, and you are supposed to, and together you're supposed to, and, uh, and it's hideous often. Uh, it's unnecessary in a lot of the narratives. It actually, uh, distracts and is, sab it sabotages what could be a good, uh, narrative 
by having that romantic aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that, like, like my whole life where it's just, like, you're watching something and then all of a sudden the two main characters have to share a kiss at the end yeah, and it's yeah. just, yeah, like... No. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no chemistry at all. And it's just, like, I just had one of those moments where I had, like, just too many examples pop into my head oh, at yes. once that I wasn't oh, yes. able to verbalize anything. I'm just like, oh, I did, like, this live-action Scooby-Doo movie. Everyone obviously wants Fred and Daphne to get back, like, to get together. But, like, they were, it was so out of nowhere in the movie. No. And that yeah, was yeah, the very yeah. first time I noticed it. I was just like, oh, why are they kissing? I don't understand. Because I was a baby. And my mom was just like, because it's a movie and it has to have romance. And that was the turning point where I started, like, being more aware of it. And then yeah. I think that's when I went on, like, a I hate all romance rampage for a few years. Tell <laughs> <laughs> um, me all. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I remember I, uh, on, on, uh, Facebook every now and then I'll, I'll have one of these, give me your opinion, kind of, uh, throw it out to my friends. And somebody actually brought up the fact that there is a screenwriting 101 that says every movie has to have a romance angle to it, even <laughs> if that's not the point of the movie. And, that has been one of my frustration points with a lot of these, uh, a lot of the movies is mm. that it, as you say, it's out of nowhere. It, there is no chemistry built between the characters or if the characters are supposed to have it, there's no chemistry between the actors. So it just looks like, uh, or, or the, you know, uh, the other classic romance trope is older man, ingenue woman, and mm. she's supposed to be into him for any reason. Uh, mm. Now look, I happen to have a benefit in some ways in my life, but uh, for the most part, it's in my situation, it wasn't forced in those situations. It is the plot is saying it, not the characters. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And as like, um, now, like it was something that I didn't um, start noticing until I started being like the same age as the people when right, I was right. just like, okay, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd go on a date with Jim Carrey at this point in his life. Well, wait, wait name well, somebody else because I think I might. I, yeah, Jim, just, that was a bad example. Like, bad example. <laughs> horrible example. Um, Harrison Ford. Yeah, I think yeah. I. There was a point. There was a point where I might have, but now, no, it's okay. He can. He can he's move like, on. He's too grumpy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So Star Wars was one of the examples for me, the, the most late, uh, the latest Star Wars where they had Ray and, uh, and whiny Kenobi. Um, uh, what was his name? Rilo, uh, Kylo Ren. Uh, the, when they have that kiss, which is romantic, but not romantic, it's cousins, uh, sisters, brothers. I, I don't like, I don't know what it was, but it was like, a, uh, no, you don't need, that's not what this is about. Yes, you could have affection for each other because of the force, whatever that is, but it doesn't have to be make-out time. Just, yeah. No. yeah. It was, like, it was one of those moments where, where, for me, like, they were, it seemed like they were building up a really good power, like, connection, and kissing brought yeah. it down and ruined it and just took away that yes. tension that they had built. Yes. And it just, like... Like, it's one of those situations where creators need to give their audience more credit to be able to notice that there's yeah. a connection without visibly being like, see. 
there, th so for me, there was a moment where I could have seen them go off together and like figure it out and have that dynamic of we're not 100% on the same page and we'll figure this out. And there was that moment after they kill Snoke where mm -hmm. Kylo's like, come with me. And she's like, I have things to do. And if the, <laughs> if the writers had, had written it in a way that, okay, we'll figure it out on the way. Like, we'll do your thing and then we can do my thing. Maybe we won't. You know, like that could be what that romantic tension is. Like, we just never get to Kylo's thing because it's dorky. And, you know, like, leave it for, like, she has much better planning, planning strategy than he mm -hmm. does. So I would have watched that movie. I would have yeah. watched them figure out what this means between them when it's no longer forced by a third party, especially a, creep, by... a creepy old dude. Like he literally <laughs> made this happen. So I would, I would have been okay with that narrative. And if that had yeah. turned to have some rom-com elements to it, that would have been okay. That would not have been forced. Honestly, it would, as much as it's about the force, I can't, I just keep hearing the pun in my head. So that to me that was okay but because they decided not to write that movie they made choices to have that moment at the very end was like no but you totally missed that moment like that's yeah. that's gone mm -hmm. uh and and there was even a moment with um john boyega's character i mean they watered down his character so much i forget his name um finn finn uh like it was very clear that that was not going to be a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was okay with that. To me, that was like, oh, good. You've learned this lesson of stop trying to make the protagonists into lovers. Great. Mm -hmm. Let's see them be best friends. Let, I, I'm on board, 100%. They hook up some night because they're feeling good. Perfect, fine. But they don't have mm -hmm. to. That's okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's one example, as you say of many there are so many that it was never never a necessity except a producer or a director said this is going to happen yeah <laughs> uh, and and so I find that there are, as you said, like you you got tired of rom coms. There are a lot of shows that if I see that that's going to be in the main uh, thrust of it, I, I don't even watch it, or yeah. I'll, hate, I'll hate watch it at best. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree with that. I <laughs> I hate watch far more things than I should. <laughs> like what? What's what's an example? I hate watching. Oh gosh. Oh now. What do I hate watch? <laughs> Just between you and everybody. Just between me and everybody. Yeah. I, I can't think of anything that I've ever watched in my life right now. What is this? <laughs> I, I'll give you one. I will share one. I Please. hate what I hate watched the live action version of last airbender. As soon as you said live, I knew what you were saying. I, yeah. that is not something I can even bring myself to hate watch. I don't know if I have that in me. It was so not appropriate. <laughs> it just, they did so many, uh, it, so many choices uh, that didn't need to happen. Like yeah. the whole movie. The whole movie was just, oh. Yeah, it's, it's another one of those cases of, I know enough about it to know not to watch it. Because I just, I, um, I'm trying this new self-love thing. Okay. <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I watch it. My partner and I watch a lot of things together. There are things that we watch separately, but there are also times when they will say, I don't want to watch that. Go ahead. Or I'll say, I don't want to watch that. Go ahead. So I, this one night I was trying to find something that I couldn't remember the entire list. I was trying to find something that I knew was on neither of our want to watch list. And that was it. That was the only one that I, when I scrolled through, I'm like, okay, Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a, I guess that's a good reason. I had um, someone I met on Tinder. I was talking to her and I was, and it was uh, my roommates were rewatching the series. And I just like mentioned that as like conversation. And she mentioned catching the movie on a plane and loving it. And I knew it wasn't going to work out. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, uh, I, I like when people self-select out of your life. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, like it was just, like, like it was one of those things where, like, like, we were getting along so well, and then as soon as she said that, I was just, like, like any connection to you as a person is gone, and I'm, like, yeah. I don't know if I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. It's like that you were practicing self-love. Good for you. <laughs> exactly. These new standards I have are shiny, and I love them. <laughs> Shall we continue? Uh, unless you want to share a hated thing that you watched. Oh, you yeah. Um, okay, so I hate watch, um, like, competition reality TV because I, like, I don't, it's like, I, um, I, an example is the, oh, gosh, it's a makeup one, um, Face Off. No, not Face Off, the other one, the body paint one um, that's on Netflix. Um, uh, Skin Wars. Skin Wars, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I hate watched that one. Um like I just I don't have the capacity for reality TV I because it's just like like I just want I just want to watch people make art and I'm into that so I'm like so I would watch it and just like wait for the drama to subside and just like oh no this guy's being rude to this other person for her technique because he doesn't think that it's a good technique I agree with her technique so I just feel stupid (laughs) or like right yeah 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 it's just it it was just stuff like that so I just I, oh gosh, I guess I don't hate, I, I, I guess I don't hate watch things as much as I thought when I said that, now that I'm thinking about it. Hmm. So I watch Skin Wars. Yeah. Now we're, we're going to have a little bit of an internet fight because I watched Skin Wars and I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, but, but I was actually, uh, similar reasons why uh, I was skipping through part of it is what you just mentioned is I recognize how much of that drama is manufactured. And yeah. how much it doesn't matter to getting to see the art at the end of it. So there, there came a point in it where I just started to fast forward. I would listen to what the challenge of the, to, at the beginning. And then I just fast forward to the point where would they actually get to show off what they're doing. Yeah. And look, I, there were some pieces that I did not agree with. And I thought they should have been voted off two shows ago. But there are other pieces where I go, oh, that's actually real. Like that, I can't do any of it. This is not based on any, like, well, in my experience as a body painter, it was just personally just, you know, um, consuming it. Uh, So I was getting into the competition from that perspective, but not from the the interpersonal. I found it to be hyped up. It's hyper real. And if it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be a real, real people competition, then let them be real. 
and let them like I had no problem when they would show moments when people were frustrated with themselves or the materials like that that's real life I get that part of it yeah. but when as you say when you turn to somebody and go well I don't think that they should be using so much gray and and really it's because of something that they screwed up that they don't want to own too yeah it's like okay whatever be quiet yeah, for that, I just, like, I just, I, I find it, um, like, almost exhausting, which is probably why, like, I've never entered into any makeup competitions, just mm. because, like, well, I have anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. I watch it, and I, like, and, and, because, like, I'm just, like, such an empath that I put myself in that situation, and I'm just, like, I would, oh, gosh, that, that, that man would have made me cry in this moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was I was talking about Skin Wars today with my eldest kid, and we were talking about uh, specifically about the empathy of it, and also the um, like the whole idea of negative reinforcement as Ooh. as encouragement is very much a uh, it's a North American perspective on how to how to get people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and do the hard things like you know what but you could just say something nice like uh -huh. literally. Just say one nice thing. Come on. Absolutely. It's like, like critiques are fine, but it's all in how you phrase them. Like saying like, oh, your line work is garbage or maybe try a different brush or like, like a suggestion yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like, oh, yes. I noticed you struggled a bit here. Like, like just yeah. don't, um, like my, this well, is my general yeah. rule of life. This is how I get through on a day-to-day -day thing. It's, um, it's very um, complex philosophy. Uh, it is, don't be a dick. Oh yeah. So how does one go ahead and do that? That sounds like that, that doesn't work in this society. This is, uh, don't, don't be a, what? <laughs> well, you see, whenever I'm about to do something, I stop and I take a moment and I think to myself, hmm, would this have a negative impact on someone else? And could I be perceived as a dick? A dick. Hmm. If the answer I is yes, I'm going yeah. to um, maybe alter my whatever, alter my action. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you've just answered the first question about is there an appropriate time for a slur? It's like, <laughs> Don't be a dick. Hey, you're being a dick, so just stop that. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, and, and that's why it's good to have um, repetitive themes because sometimes you come back to the answers as you go through. Yeah. <laughs> I, I planned it. I knew. I knew what I was doing. We would go in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all coming. <laughs> Has there been a, uh, a romance? So I have an answer for myself, so I'll go first if you want. But okay. has has there been a heteronormative romance where you go, you know what, I actually kind of like that one? Hmm. A heteronormative romance that I liked. Oh, this you can, is harder than I expected it to be. You can say no. I mean, it's not the norm. It's not like, you know, there's lots of people out there doing that thing. But... <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, like there are some characters where, like, they have an okay relationship, um, I guess. Like, um, I'm trying to think of, like, something, like, like more mainstream. Like, like when I think of, like, um, How I Met Your Mother, the two... Um, 
oh gosh, um, I, I literally know uh, um, Jason Segal in um, Willow from okay. like, like I'm just like, like what are their characters' names? But I know that they are like, like I just, like I just always see things on like online floating around about how like they're yeah, yeah. a good supportive yeah. couple. So mm. even though it's not a show I'm not that familiar with, they're still my example. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I had a couple. The first one that came to my mind was The Monsters. The Munsters, the black and white old, like, and it's an old, old show, but yeah. the, the way that the father and the mother uh, seemingly hetero-coded, um, you know, the way that they engage with each other, and because they're very different, they're, you know, she's a, she's a vampire species, he's a whatever species he is, a werewolf, I think it is, if you go into enough seasons, uh, like, they're very different, but they're very much in love with each other and they're very much on the same side. And they're like the, it's, uh, they are to me, the epitome of us versus them. Oh. Unlike princess bride, where there is an attraction between the two of them and there's classism that gets in the way. Uh, but there's, there is this interest in each other. Uh, and it's only at the, I, I, that is a childhood movie for me. So it's like, oh, I still have rose-colored glasses about that relationship, even though it, there's some toxicity to it. Yeah. Uh, because the whole thing is toxic. And, uh, and it turns out that he's the better guy than the person that she's being forced to, to care for. Um, so, so I still count that one, even though there's a whole lot of purposeful miscommunication and um, uh, selfish desire <laughs> in it. Uh, so those are the two spectrums of the, okay, okay, yeah, like the loving, loving, oh, yeah, I, I can handle that model. And this other one where they are equals yeah. when it really comes down to it. And they, and they end up treating each other like equals. So that's, that's what I like about the Princess Bride version of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I will say about that, that uh, not friends, what did, How I Met Your Mother. So that's a show that oh, I have so many problems with that uh, I agree with you. But it's a begrudging, I agree with you, because I just like the show. So it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. They are lovey-dovey, and they're on each other's side. And they're, they're okay, they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I've watched, um, like, like random episodes of the show, because I had an ex that was really into it. And we just, like, like it was, like, her comfort show. Yeah. So, I so, like, I would catch episodes every now and then. But I was not a fan of it, because, oh, good golly. <laughs> it's, um, I don't it's, think it likes women. <laughs> no. No, no. It's not a show for you or I or anybody who likes women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move. Uh, I mean, speak of hate watching, that's one that I definitely hate watch. So I didn't see the, I didn't watch every single episode, but I've seen far more than I ever need to see again. Yeah. That's a <laughs> fair, that's fair. I, um, <laughs> I, I suppose I hate watched that too then because I would watch it with my girlfriend and I would hate it. Yeah, definitely counts. <laughs> I hope she's watching and she knows. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, rolling along. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number one, 
Sorry. I accidentally closed the whole thing, which is what just happened. But anyway, many people, <laughs> we're good, we're organized. Many people learn about different family and life dynamics through media. Do production and ad companies have a moral or ethical obligation to the public? The answer is no, because corporations aren't people, and therefore it's impossible for them to have a morality. However, they are run by people, and they know that they are broadcasting to people. Uh -huh. uh, so for me, personally, uh, I very much judge those corporations, those outlets that are gearing things towards uh, continuing the hate of any any group or intersection of groups. Uh, so for me, it's, I, I definitely, like, I don't, uh, I don't watch Disney uh, with the exception now of the Star Wars franchise um, because of their deep uh, troubling history. And um, I also don't like women and, and, uh, and anybody who isn't white. Uh, so, you know, they may be getting better now that they are a, a multinational threat to the world. Uh, but I haven't, <laughs> haven't seen it yet. So I, you know, I have, I have definite opinions on, mm -hmm. on those things. Uh, and I, but at the same time, I recognize that it's not going to change. Yeah. It, it, they are they are so much more massively powerful and influential than what I happen to say here tonight. Um, but I but I but I mean it, it, my my heart to heart is absolutely they should be called to the carpet for continuing to portray in negative fashion the way they do. Mm -hmm. That was very well said. I completely agree. I. Um... Yeah, it's like, it's in a perfect world, they could be held accountable for the messages that they are like sending out and the in and the negative impact that is undeniably being had. Yeah. But, um, well, by who? I, like, yeah, who, I just, who's... By, by me. Right. Well, good. Thank you for standing up. And, uh, and now we'll throw money at the situation. And you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. <sighs> It, it, I think, I, so that is my, uh, that is my belief. It is my belief that at this point in time, it is not happening in, with the speed that I believe that it should have. I honestly mm -hmm. believe a lot of this should have been solved back in the seventies, yeah. that it is still not being solved, that people are still going, well, it's a big ship. So we have to learn how to navigate. And it's like, you've had a lot of time to figure out how to work a ship. Uh, so I am impatient for these changes. Yeah. However, we do see how protests, how revolutions do impact a change with time. Right, the the mm -hmm. it does take time to win a, a populace over to a new perspective. So there are individuals within any corporation, as it could be the worst corporation in the world. There are good people there who are trying to make the change from the inside. Um, what I have learned, I used to be one of those people, or I thought I was one of those people. What I have learned is that the whole changing something from the inside, you have to be the right person. And, and that right person isn't, uh, isn't based on your own opinion. It is, you, you have the right look, you have the right influence, you speak to the right people. And, uh, and that combination changes depending on the corporation. Uh, but so I do believe even in Disney, 
that there are those people who are making the, they are fighting inch by inch or centimeter by centimeter for those changes. And it would be unfair to overlook their efforts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, Brandy's Cinderella should still be on Disney. I mean, that's, <laughs> until we get that, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not voting for them for anything. But, but I, I think that if we are talking about not being a dick, then I think that it is fair to say, to recognize there are good people in place trying to do that work. And it's just probably not going to happen in our lifetime, but it would not happen at all without their presence. Yeah, definitely. I am. Um, I was having a conversation with my, um, like my, oh gosh, he's like 16 or 17. He's my cousin. And um, we were. <laughs> Does that change based on his age? Is that what happened there? Or is it... <laughs> yeah. As soon as they hit 17, I just oh, yeah, cut yeah. them off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're not cute anymore. Go away. <laughs> um, him and I were having a discussion about, um, it, it started with um, the, the conversation of um, police brutality and how, um, it's not going to be an immediate change, how it's going to be a change that if we're lucky, our grandchildren will see. And like, and I have hope for that. I have yeah. hope that like the seeds are being planted, but like, I don't, I wish I knew plants well enough to use one that grows slowly for a metaphor. It's a tree. It's a redwood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, acorn, uh, oak. I don't know. Yeah. It's a yeah. One of those. I'm an oak, but I can use, I spread oaks there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was, um, it, it was like a good, but also just like really sad conversation of just like this acceptance of, well, we still have an obligation to be good people, even if it's not going to completely change the world immediately, it is still going to at least some, sometimes when the ball is rolling, you just place the guards in to steer it. You don't actually get to land. Yeah. Yeah. I, on uh, Twitter, I follow different audiences, and one of them is the uh, is the activists group. And they they were uh, they posted a couple of times of we have to acknowledge the win that we've already uh, encountered, and that is there has been a change in how the populace feels about the police. Yeah. It, even a year ago, because none of the th none of the brutality started this year. It has yeah. been ongoing for hundreds of years. But within this last six months to a year, that more and more of the populace has begun to agree that defunding the police is the right way to go. Now, they, they are still figuring out what that means individually to them. For some of it's it's all the way to abolish, and for others it's, you know, we, we stop using police as crossing guards or whatever. But oh even gosh. that conversation of figuring out where that line is, is powerful. And, uh, and so that win is actually a lot more huge than the media or especially the politicians are going to talk about because the way that these changes happen are enough of the population get on board with, hey, you better fix this or I won't vote for you. And as soon as you have the, popu the, the, poli the politician populace scared, uh, more scared of the populace than of the police, uh, then, uh, then change happens. 
and yeah. and and people become a lot less willing to accept those compromise uh, solutions from politicians. Yeah. So yes, it's not going to happen before our grandchildren, but it's going to happen for our grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like the example with my cousin was like, we were talking about like our grandma's time and how like, like we will be the grandma's time. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> did, uh, I, I have to know, did your cousin use like a grandparent voice when they started speaking? It was a text-based conversation, but oh, okay. I do imagine. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, Yes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. why wouldn't he just be like, I imagine like sitting on his bed talking out loud, being like, okay. Right. <laughs> yep. And, and it's my theory that everybody has an old person voice. Like, regardless of if they think they can do impressions or not, everybody has an old person voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have several because I just, I like voices. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if any of them are good, but they exist and that's what matters. Then they are good. <laughs> yep. That makes them good. <laughs> They're my best. <laughs> do you uh, do you want to keep talking about this one, or you want to move on? Oh gosh, um, I'm. I think we should move on just for the sake of time. But oh gosh, this is something I could just talk about forever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number thirteen. Often having a queer identity can have an impact on your social value. Do you feel that there is um, a way to work with this? Um, I, I, is that clear or do you need me to reword that a bit? No, I wouldn't mind if you reword it because, yeah. It's a weird question. <laughs> well, I, I, like I get the kernel of what you're asking, I think, but having to reword it would help. Okay. Um, the, um, I guess a simpler way to phrase it would be sometimes being a queer identifying person sucks. Um, what are some, <laughs> and it can have a big impact on like, like your social status, aside mm -hmm. from like applying to jobs that are looking for marginalized people. Like, like what are, I guess, some, um, um, I guess I'm looking for some self-care tips for when the world gets you down. <laughs> So I was closeted through most of my life and that was partially internalized and partially like the messages that were given to me from every component or every aspect of, of society. Like it was definitely in the media. It was definitely in my neighborhood. It was at work. It was everywhere. Even places that say we want you to bring your whole self. They say that that's their policy, but it's not how people actually engage in the workplace or in the community. So I, for me, I think this, for me, finding like-minded people was the greatest act of self-care that I could do. To know yeah. that I have a, I had a relatively safe place because safe places don't actually exist as long as another human is around, I find, uh, because we're all working on our own traumas and our own, you know, whatever those are. There are safer places. There's no absolute safe safe place. But finding those safer places and those safer humans makes it easier for you to be true to who you are in whatever way that is. Mm -hmm. So I found the more the more 
different places that I had where that was true. So I had a little bit of it in the uh, comedy community. I had a little bit in my social media community. I had it in my life. Uh, as soon as I had those as anchor points, it made it easier when one of those places let me down a little bit or they weren't as protective as I thought that they might be or they weren't available mm -hmm. for some reason. Uh, I still had another place that I could land and still be true to who I was, e even if I'm bruised and feeling down and, you know, need some um, refresh time. Yeah. So that for me is the, uh, is, and, and as a result of having those different places that I could, uh, that I could find that, I, it made it easier for me to truly be that for some other people. And again, I'm working through stuff, so I'm not that person for everybody. Uh, and I acknowledge that as, as much as I'd love to hug the world and, and heal the world, uh, my stuff sometimes triggers other people's stuff. So I, I think letting myself off the hook about that too is that sometimes I'm not the safe harbor uh, that I would like to be. Uh, but knowing that we can all, by again, by centimeters and inches, offer that for each other when we can. Uh, and being op uh, the other part of it is being open to accept it. <laughs> when somebody says, here, you can land here, actually it being able to accept that offer from them and not letting all of the wounds from society uh, keep the wall between us. Yeah, absolutely. That was a whole lot. I'm sorry. I probably could have put periods in there, taken a breath. That's okay. Honestly, I love that answer. It was, it was, it was very real. The, I find um, the fewer pauses, the more truth. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I loved that. I, um, I, I, I keep agreeing with you. It's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I definitely have things to say. Sorry. I, I um, yeah. I'm, I'm reading the questions off my phone and I just got like four notifications. And even though I'm not reading them, the fact that they were there totally threw my mindset off and, uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I, uh, I have my phone near me and it has been everything not to even touch it. So I completely understand. Yeah, I just like, like, oh, what does my roommate want? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so um, to um, catch, catch me back up, um, what was the last thing you said? Just so I will probably have a response. I'm sorry. Um, oh, did I, you cut I, out a bit? Yeah, we cut out a little bit. Okay, um, just um, to um, get back on track, um, can you just repeat the last thing you said? Uh, the last thing I said is I recognize that I may not always be a, self, uh, a, a safe harbor for everyone, but uh, centimeter by centimeter and inch by inch, I think if we're all progressing toward being better with each other, uh, then we be more points of contact and um, healing. Yeah, absolutely, and I... Um, that that is um I'm, I'm, thank you so much for repeating that i um that is a lesson that i have like i've had to um, learn the hard way a few times because i um i'm a very empathetic person and i have this need to help absolutely everyone and um sometimes like, like I've, I've reached out to people and learned that oh gosh i'm not doing this the right way because it's someone that like i'll i'll, I'll make an assumption like um i'll use a nameless example of like, I saw someone um, do a, a reach out post on Facebook of someone that I didn't know that well, but it looked familiar to me. 
So I thought that they were in a similar mindset of like people that I've helped and talked to before. So I reached out and again, like it's someone I don't know that well. So I just kind of like, 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 where are you? Are you safe? Because like I'm trained in mental health right, first right. aid. Like I know like the proper things to say. So I'm asking them all the questions, making sure that they're safe. And um, they, and we start talking about, about um, like, like what is happening that's triggering them and how I can try and get them help. And it was one of the situations where they weren't um, accepting of it because it was just like, okay, like what can we do to get you to the next point? Because you seem like you are in a dangerous crisis and I want you to make it out of it. <laughs> and it just turned into a conversation that it turned out I wasn't ready for because for me, I was like just coming out of the mental health first aid course being like, mm. I'm going to change the world. This person needs me. I vigilanteed myself into a situation that I didn't know enough about. And I ended up just upsetting the person more. Right. And I feel so guilty about this. Cause like to this day, this person is not like me. <laughs> and yeah. it, and it's just cause like in my comforting, like it was um, someone who was like, like um, having trouble with performing and I, but they wanted to still create. So I suggested, why don't you focus on writing? And they misinterpreted that as me telling them to stop performing. Yes. And I was just like, that is totally not what I meant. And I'm so sorry. I like, I, and I, and so like, I totally understand why they're upset. And I'm like, I would be, I would be too. And it's just like, like, so now it's just become a lesson for me, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I want to let you know that these smiles and laughs are completely of recognition. And, uh, and I have empathy for you. And I have learned, I, no, I can't say I've learned those lessons. I am continuing to learn that lesson that being helpful or wanting to be helpful is not the same as helping. Yeah. And that, and it, so I hear you. Mm -hmm. And it is something that it's, um, when it comes to finding like how someone needs help in these mental health crises, it's just every situation is different and you have to be the most important thing that I've learned when it comes to helping someone in a crisis is taking a moment and doing a check-in with yourself first. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> put your mask on first. If you're talking to someone and you're not able to hold yourself rationally emotional like emotion if you're not able to keep your emotions emotions rational then it's very very hard to keep someone calm and safe yes it, yeah. it, it's one of those like should like really obvious but needs to be said anyway sentences isn't it <laughs> uh yep well, I, as I said, I'm learning it. So I, yeah. I, this is not me going, well, now you know. It's like, a, a, now I know. Now yeah. we both know. Yeah. Now will we practice? Uh, practice is the operative word. <laughs> yeah. All we can do is our best. And just keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. I find, um, for me, uh, l when I have made a mistake with somebody, I find letting myself off the hook, forgiving myself, often to be a lot longer than where they may have already forgiven me at some point, and I have held on to this for a lot. And so it changes our relationship dynamic just because I'm acting in a way where I am feeling guilty still about this past hurt, which was a moment and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trying to uh, minimize any of it, but I recognize I've held on past 
past the time and I've not let I've not done that check-in for myself yeah, check-ins are so, so important. And ever since I like, like ever since I started getting into the habit of doing them more, I've been noticing a big difference in my own mental health, which is just an amazing bonus. And I recommend everyone watching to do more practicing of that because recommended. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, do you feel that we um, have covered and answered that question thoroughly and or do you have any more comments or expansions i you know i probably do i i have learned how to not be one of those people who is like oh and one more thing and one more (laughs) thing oh one more thing oh before we i know we're done but just one so yes i'm i'm finished thank you you're so welcome so one more thing uh no (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got a nat 20. Nice. Nice. That means we get some treasure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Alrighty. Should, um, should escapism media and comedy be able to get political? So the answer is yes, because should is a horrible word, but uh, yeah, I, I think that there is a time and space for every every single combination of those things. Uh, There are times when politics is naturally comedic. There are times when comedy is naturally uh, political. So I think that you need those. I also think there are times when it is a distraction and that's all it is and that's all it needs to be. And even, even in those times when that distraction is political, it's not supposed to be any deeper than it was. Uh, And yes, that doesn't mean that English professors or political professors aren't going to try and eke out more from it, but that isn't the point. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I don't. I also don't think it always has to be the point. I don't think that every single joke or pun that somebody makes has to reference back to Eisenhower or whatever, or Trudeau or whoever. I, I think that uh, it is okay to let things stay in their own lane sometimes and, uh, and not, you don't have to mix the peanut butter and the chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I like that perspective. I, I guess like, like for me, it's just comedy, especially is a reflection of our reality. It is kind of like, it's playing with the absurdity of reality. And I, uh, <laughs> And it's just, it doesn't make sense to ignore politics in that, with that in mind. And I do know, like, like for some people, they want the simple escape and that's absolutely valid. And it's, and you're allowed to listen to jokes or tell jokes about your mom, as long as it's loving. (laughs) (laughs) But as much as like you're able to make jokes about um, Mr. Trudeau, but not his mom. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and I I mean I would say that obviously people who are better at a craft are going to find ways to interweave each of those at various times and sometimes enmeshed together. Sometimes you have a wave of comedy and then political statement and then more comedy or 
or just storytelling or what it like they're going to find ways to keep it interesting so okay. that it's not it's not somebody you're not the preacher at the pulpit saying thou shalt you know a, any aspect of it uh yeah. you know I, I, there are some people who like that and that's their thing and that's fine uh, because just like I don't believe that you have to with any of this, there are people who demand it. That's what they want. That is the way that they take in their entertainment. They take in their comedy because it's political. They take in their comedy because it's absurd. Like they, that's what they, that's what they demand from their performers. Uh, and it's a matter of whether you, as a performer, want to cater to them or or frustrate them. And now that's your entertainment. It's like, oh, oh, you want impressions, eh? I'm going to give you an impression of a grandpa. Not your grandpa. Uh-uh. <laughs> not, not Justin Trudeau's grandpa. Not being political. Just a grandpa. Yeah. Because <laughs> we all have a grandpa impression. Of course. <laughs> and they're very important to everyone's identity yeah. as a performer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first thing they, they you do in acting school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, those are movement classes. Okay, everybody, take your space, shuffle. You're getting heavy. <laughs> Movement's getting difficult. You can feel gravity making you right. sad. Yes, yeah, I've, yes. I've done a couple. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that it is good to to exercise and to practice those different skill sets. I think to be that well-rounded performer that, you know, to, if that's what you're looking for, I think that it's good to have that toolkit. Um, but also recognize that just because you want to play piano doesn't mean that you're good at it. (laughs) Yeah. I am horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am. I I took a violin recently and I, um, you know, I can do, uh, I can do two different scales and the intro to one song. There and you now go. I'm just like, yeah. Good. Don't have to do anything else. Cross that off. Check mark. Pick. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a Do you have an instrument or a, a performance type that you think you should be able to do, and uh, you just haven't got there yet? Um. Singing is a huge, huge thing for me. I um, I have been told that I have a very natural or a good natural singing voice, but holy gosh, have I ever been bullied for singing and like all of that like negativity of like 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 being a kid and singing and having a parent go, "Don't quit your day job," or like just like silencing you. So yes. I grew up with so much. Um, like just anxiety and fear around showing this part of myself. So I um, basically, that's why I, um, I I have like my array of funny voices because I would only sing in funny voices because I can't sing seriously because people don't like when I sing seriously because it hurts their ears. And now over the last few months, I have been actually practicing singing for real and singing in front of people like my roommates but like my my roommates are people so they count (laughs) thank you for confirming (laughs) in case you didn't notice or couldn't if it wasn't obvious Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad that you're finding uh, an avenue for yourself to heal some of that past pain to do the thing that you like. 
Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. And it's just like now I'm just singing constantly. It's just, I, and I've been a lot happier. So. Yeah, good. Then you should. You should combine your love of comedy with your love of singing and uh, not let anybody stop you. Yeah, I would love to get into more, like, as I've been writing song parodies, like, since I knew that that was a thing that you could do, but I've never shared them. But um, a good friend of mine is, a, like, a serious musician, and I may have offered, and she's a violinist, so <laughs> I may have offered to do a parody album of her songs, and it's going to be, um, the plan is it's going to be a cookbook, essentially, of just like to the beat so she's a very like like a goth her name is van Kavid. i recommend everyone look into her because i'm biased because she's my best friend but she's also very talented and amazing <laughs> and anyway um we are going to work on the van 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 cookbook which is going to be a parody of her songs written to like the beat of her songs but they will be recipes hmm. And she's like very gothy and witchy, so it'll be like like along the lines of like cabbage, cabbage. <laughs> and I um I have no idea if it's this is either gonna be the best or worst thing that I have made. And I'm excited because it will be my beginning into it's it's my first project of music, aside from a song I wrote about my cat. Good. Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I uh Please tell me that they're recipes that taste good. Like, don't just, ju don't just throw in an item because it rhymes or scans. It's like, rutabaga, it's a banana bread. Let, let it just be a banana bread. Yeah, I, I want them to be all actual recipes. Good. Yeah. So it'll, I, I'm hoping it's as great as I'm expecting and I'm optimistic about it. So it will at least be a good adventure. And it will be a, an opportunity for you to, to connect with each other and mm -hmm. to collaborate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, she actually, she hosted the show that I did my first, like, long stand-up show. I did a 40-minute set, um, like, a year ago. And my parents were there. It was my first, it was their first time, like, seeing me perform. So I just made fun of them for most of it. <laughs> like, in loving ways, obviously. <laughs> they stayed. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite gag to do whenever my mom comes to a show is explain every dirty joke to her <laughs> uh, are, are you um, in denial about your mother having told dirty jokes at some point I learned so many to her or from her <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> it's just it's it's my family has this thing because I was always like the good kid, the innocent one. Mm. So um, so I just like decided to hide my um, my sexy nature because I didn't want anyone to ruin the image. So then as I so like as I grew up and I started like actually openly making my my dirty jokes, and everyone was just like, oh, "You, it's funny, but not when you say it." And I'm just like, "Okay, but I'm hilarious though." <laughs> So it's like that kind of dynamic where like to an audience, it's just like, oh, making a joke to my mom, but to my mom, it's just. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Um, do we have anything else to say on the um, political viewpoint of performance? 
I, I think the only thing, the only other part of it for me would be that um, uh, you're allowed to give yourself permission to switch things up, even if it's expected of everybody, even if you expect it of yourself. It's okay to take that risk and do do a different you know, perform in a different way. Like you're saying with you and your family, like that's totally cool. Obviously, it's totally cool, but it's it's you're showing a side of yourself that they don't expect, and I think that that's that is part of uh, performer growth is to to put yourself out there in a way that isn't always comfortable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have um I have so much about about myself that I'm like like that I think are that that I think is funny, and like there are certain things where I'm just like oh, but I was doing this at the time. And I don't want my mom to know, so I'll just wait and tell that story another day. <laughs> edit, 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 just edit a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mom, plug your ears. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then, um, oh, um, and I guess I just wanted to touch on a lot of um, people who think that they're, like, like who get angry about um, political comedy or like say that there's no um, place in it, which is kind of like a, a de like a continuation from um, what, what I was saying saying about um, when people prefer escapism and they don't want to think about what's going on. But I don't think that gives some like I don't want to say that like no one has a right to speak up their voice to say their name, but it, like to speak up for themselves. Like, but it's just like when you're getting angry for someone at someone for having a an opinion, let alone like, like whether or not it's a different opinion than what you had. Sometimes you're just mad at the subtext or like the context because you're making me think and I don't like it. I didn't come here to think. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. They're being challenged. How dare you? Uh, yeah, but for me, it's uh, having, I, I am other. I have been other in so many ways that even my presence is a challenge. So me speaking my truth is automatically going to challenge you. And, you know, yes, there are ways that I can make it more palatable. And then there are ways that I make it more palatable for me. As I said, like it's, it depends on who you're looking to entertain sometimes. And yeah. sometimes it's such a horrible situation. All you can do is entertain yourself just to mm -hmm. survive it. Cause uh, nobody's really winning this thing. Yeah. yeah we've all, like I've had um, shows in like a, I, I did a show in Ajax a few months ago and it was just like, like I'd never been to Ajax before. So it was, um, that was itself was an adventure, my first tour. Anyway, um, I, and I went to the show and um, it was just like a lot of people who didn't seem to like, like that there was a comedy show going on that night. So there was just like, like a, like a drunk man um, shouting at the host, um, like saying horrible things and thankfully left before my set, like literally like as they were introducing me went and walked out. And I think it might've been a gender thing because I was, you know, the token female jokes on them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like there was like this girl who was like loudly talking throughout the whole thing um because like uh, so like i made a comment like like i'm one of the like the drunk guy was making like racist jokes so i said like, like oh don't worry the most racist thing about me is my parents and that's like that's my um that's my that's my that's my um that's my naughty joke i guess so. <laughs> <gasps> it's true <gasps> 
<laughs> but yeah, that was, um, that show was an adventure and I definitely had a point about talking about it, but then I got distracted because I wanted to talk about that joke. Oh, we were, we were talking <laughs> so about sorry. entertaining ourselves when it's an uh, uncomfortable situation. Yes. So then I just started on um, like, like I would, I would go through my routine and I was just kind of like responding to the drunk girl's laughter and playing off of that as if she was responding to me. If she'd laugh, I'd be like, oh, I'm not done yet, honey. Like, like, uh, like, like things like that. And then, um, and then there was a fun moment where I told the story. Um, and in, in reality for the story, I don't know the name of the person involved. So I just used the name Karen. And there was actually a girl named Karen in the audience who was just like, then she got into it. And so then it just became, it became this like fun banter about being a Karen. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, like, yeah, it's just making, making the, the moment or taking the moment and just make, taking off with it. Yeah. We, um, uh, one of my troops is the dandies and we do Star Trek improv and uh, we had an opportunity to perform in Winnipeg and uh, they didn't really know who we were. They were there to see William Shatner, not us, but mm -hmm. we were opening and, uh, and we had this full crowd of people and, you know, you get suggestions for, uh, to begin things uh, from time to time. So we got the suggestion of uh, Donald Trump, which is kind of my my worst nightmare, but uh, you know it's a sold out crowd, and you know they're all piling on. Yeah, yeah, this is a great suggestion as far as they're concerned. And I was like, okay, so I know I'm already going to be not on the positive side of this thing, but I realized I should check in with them. So I did a okay. So I'm going to just ask one more question, and you can answer as honestly as you can. I just I just need to know this: Are y'all pro Trump or anti Trump? Because I think if it's pro Trump and we start doing anti stuff, I may not live. And uh, you know, I mean, I'll do it, but you know, it's my last show ever. So I was uh, so I had to ask that question, and and they all just like were very very vocal about being anti. So I knew that we could really lean into it that way. Yeah. But there was that moment where lit, like when we got the suggestion, all of us on stage were kind of looking at each other like, uh, you know, there's that, I, I remember like the Blues Brothers where they have the chicken wire and people are throwing beer bottles at them because they're trying to play <laughs> blues music instead of, you know, and they only like the one song. I forget the song, but like, that's the only Bye. thing that, that's the only thing, Rawhide, that's right, yeah. That's the only thing that will quiet them down. And if they try to play something else, the beer bottles come back. So we don't have any chicken wire where we are. And I'm like, okay, so uh, like the exit is way past the audience. So we better appease them. So we didn't know. We didn't know how much we were going to enjoy this thing that we had to do. But because we got, because they were on board with this. This was all their idea and they were on, they loved that it was anti and it was like, and so it, it became safe yeah. as, as a result of them buying into, okay, so we're all in this. Um, but that, that half a beat was like, uh, okay. Uh, I have never had to play a pro Trump rally. I don't know if I'm going to be comfortable <sighs> You know, like how professional do I end up being or how do I like how quiet do I have to be to be safe? Yeah. 
yeah i've um i've been in situations like that on in improv myself it's actually like it's actually um i've been i, I used to be like very active in improv and i stepped away from it after i had a really bad experience on stage where someone like grabbed my chest and stuck their face in it and i went that was inappropriate and i felt uncomfortable that was a personal line for me and um the person who was in charge of the group said i think that you're making a really big deal out of this and you're really ruining the fun for everyone else i am sorry both that it happened and that that was the response yeah because so, that's not cool no and it was um it was just um that whole group had a lot of issues like the reason i like started thinking about it was um Someone um, did, I don't remember what the suggestion was, but um, immediately jumped into a Nazi rally. And it was just like, like two people walked out um, and we got kicked out of the venue. Like we weren't allowed to perform there anymore. Because also in that show, they did a lot of like, like really bad accents and stuff. And then it was the following show that the story I just told happened. So I was just like, I'm not that upset that I'm missing out on this opportunity. And I just like, I'm oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of people abuse yes and. And uh, uh, that is not just here in, here in Toronto. It's all around the world. There's a lot of people who take that as, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it's a thing that happened and it is, um, it's, it's um, the reason that I've been getting into stand up. So it brought me on a different path. And even though it's um, like, and I do, um, I'll probably get back into improv one day. It's been, it's been a few years. So, you know, it's still something that like has such <laughs> a huge impact on my life. Like improv is everywhere. Oh, and yeah. I just, I love it. Like I, um, I am very open with like, I was, when I first started taking improv classes, I was very depressed. And I was just not in a good place. And I was like trying to reconnect with where I was like, like when I was in high school and I was less sad and I was like part of the theater program. So I took the first thing that came up when I typed in acting class Toronto. <laughs> so I studied improv 101 at the impatient theater and I was so shy. I only participated in things that like were mandatory, like where it was just like, okay, everyone's going to get a chance to do this. I never volunteered. I didn't speak to anyone. And I loved it so much. Afterwards, someone um, who I, I, I'm, still, I'm still friends with him on Facebook. Um, he, he, he messaged me just being like, everything that you ever did, I loved. Please take the next class. I want to, I like, just like this huge message about how wonderful I was. And I just like, I had, I had never received a compliment about my acting before. Because like, I just didn't grow up in that supportive of an environment. Like the closest before that was I had um, my drama teacher in grade nine said, you should take grade 10 drama. And so receiving this message, um, complimenting my improv ability that I didn't even know I had set me on this path of just like, maybe I can do something. Maybe I'm not who I like, like what I thought or, and I, then I started being able like to open up and it completely just, I, I love improv so much. So, um, uh, that is another, I'm going to apologize again. 
because the fact that you'd had this happen, you were assaulted, and it was not uh, it was not disciplined, has kept you away from something that you love so much. Like that is that is the shame, and that you're basically you're being punished for it happening to you, as opposed to the person who did it. Yeah. Um, I. On your time, obviously, I do hope that you find a way in a group that allows you back to it, because I also feel great joy improvising. Uh, and, uh, and I had my own hurt around it, and I had to heal some of that and wait for some of those people to leave for my, my own stuff. Uh, so I know what that, I know what it's like to live without that thing that you love. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. an emotion. In this particular thing, I hope that I am a, a safe enough harbor for it. Uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, I'm sorry that it's a crummy thing. Um, I will tell you that uh, I knew of you, even though we hadn't met yet, I knew of you. Somebody had actually said, oh, they used to do improv with Impatient. So that's as much as I knew of you. I didn't know about that situation. So I knew, like, I knew a little bit of your history before uh, we did that stand-up show at your place. Uh, but that was it. Okay. Um, so to hear why you were no longer with, and the fact that this person didn't disclose that, I don't know if it's because they weren't there at the time or that for them it wasn't the big deal that it is. Oh, um. So the um, instance happened with um, in Aurelia Improv, which okay. is so it wasn't it was not through the Impatient Theater. Oh, okay. It, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Impatient Theater actually it um it closed down like a month after I moved out of Toronto. So like I guess I was holding it together. <laughs> Good for you. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. Feel, feel kind of guilty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually I came back just shortly before Impatient officially closed its doors. So I, I, while I knew some people from, who were part of that group, uh, I had come in just before, uh, or I started watching Catch-23 when it was at the George, uh, at the Clintons uh, okay. bar in the back room. So that was my reintroduction back into the Toronto community. And it, but it wasn't until it had moved to Comedy Bar that I started to appear more regularly. Oh, okay. So there's a little bit of crossover in our in our timelines, but yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> the same Circles. circle, same <laughs> circle, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, that was a, that was a very good discussion, and I'm glad we had that. <laughs> and I I do feel um, safe talking to you about that too. So thank you for being that person. Um, shall we continue? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I do, I do have a question and this is not out of any, anything, any regard except for I'm just curious about how many more questions do we get to do? Or are we doing all 20? Um, usually I do like to do all 20, but if cool. you are... Nope, nope, okay. nope. That's, okay. that answers it. Yep. <laughs> I, right. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if the dice roll was to limit, like we do ten of twenty, or we do however. For doing all of them, and it's just randomized order. That's very cool to me too. 
Yeah, that's, that is the plan, so. Great, let's go. <laughs> All right. Nine. All right. Can you recall the first time a queer portrayal made you uncomfortable? watch a lot of movies with my mom and uh, my mom has passed so I can't ask her uh, you know the opportunity to ask her questions about things has long passed but uh, one of the movies that we watched was um, Kiss of the Spider Woman no I watched it by myself but we had a conversation about it so uh, I, there's a musical based on it as well uh, and, and it's all I think it's all based on Madame Butterfly but but it's a it it is very much a queer movie uh, the version that I saw was with uh, John Hurt and Raul Julia and the uncomfortability for me wasn't in the in the situation so much as the uh, it wasn't in the queerness, it was in the rejection of it. And it was because it was like, it was very clear that, that the characters were falling in love and Raul Julia's character, I believe, is the one that is, uh, is playing the, the straight person who is coming to terms with falling in love with, with somebody. Uh, it, with anybody, actually, I think is, is probably true to, the, to that character. Uh, so it was the rejection that was like, but... It, to me, the rule was if you fall in love, you're falling in love. And, and, and at, that, at that point, I wasn't out. So uh, I wasn't understanding how this rule of falling, you're falling in love and you've been intimate together and now, like, now there's a problem. And you're not communicating what the actual problem is. And the actual problem is just internalized homophobia and, you know, and, uh, and not being, not at a, an emotional place to be able to reconcile that and to fight up, fight for what you need in your heart versus what society tells you. Uh, but at that point, I didn't have this language around it. So I was very, like, I was just like, but... Like, it, it to me was as valid as any other rom-com or any other romance story. And I, I didn't understand. And also, unlike a rom-com where there's moments of levity, it's a drama. It's, you know, it, it's, so there's this trauma that's there that's like, oh, because society says so. It's such a wrong-headed way to, to do anything or most things, uh, or anything to do with the heart, it's definitely wrong. Um, so that, I, I think that's one of the first ones where it was like, I was a little bit crushed by that, uh, by that narrative. Um, and it's still, it's, it's at the same time, it's one of those movies that if it was on Netflix, I would watch it again because I remember how many emotions that I had growing up watching it the first time. Yeah. Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Such a like a very direct example. Like my my answer to this is so vague. I'm just like, oh yeah, just like seeing them in general was bad. Because yeah. <laughs> like like when I think of like like what my uh, what my answer is for this question is um, just any gay BFF or designer or any, any assistant in an eighties comedy. Like, I can't think of like what one would have been like my 
first, um, yeah. but there are many. So it's just like, like I just like, like that overly like like all gays have that like overly European and lispy kind of like persona. Yeah. Type. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the, the straight stereotype of what it means to be queer. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 So I just like, I just, I know that caricature was my first introduction. I just don't remember which one specifically because there's so many. Going back that far, like I know that uh, people have differing opinions on this, but Bugs Bunny was one that bothered me because Bugs Bunny used, used sexuality as a weapon, mm -hmm. uh, it, regardless of how the character was dressed up or what, like it was always weaponized. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was like, here's this carrot, rabbits, but here's this dangling carrot of attraction. And now I'm, I, I fooled you. You're dumb for feeling this way. And it's like, oh, like everybody likes this character. Everybody loves Bugs Bunny. How am I, I'm not allowed to love Bugs Bunny because like you're a liar. <laughs> so that for me is my, like, if I'm really being honest about my first ever witness of what that meant. And that's, uh, that was before I was obviously aware of stereotypes or anything like that. Um, yeah, so, so you're saying like that, that personification of like that over the top, the, I mean, and it is offensive. I'm not pretending it's otherwise, but, but so that category of portrayal for you is, is the harm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like that was my first introduction to what it meant to be gay and it was all treated as like this really bad thing. And mm. I didn't even know that like women could be gay until like, cause like I thought it was just like, oh, girls when they like girls is something that you do. Like I, I legitimately was one of those people who was like, I was only for porn. It's like something you do for boys. It's uh. not a thing. Like, cause like that was like the mindset that I was raised in. So for me, it wasn't a real thing. Like I actually, um, when I was in grade seven and I was having some gay thoughts and I thought to myself like, oh God, like I went to a Catholic school and my first thing was just like, if it turns out that I'm a lesbian, I'm going to have to become a nun. Like, that was it. I just accepted my fate. Or I'm just like, that was a gay thought. Hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I forget who, which comedian makes the joke, but like the whole idea of sending uh, boys off to boys school and girls off to girls school is like heaven if you're gay. Yeah. And, you know, and, and in the meantime, the parents are doing it to try and keep you from being influenced negatively. It's like, that's because you're not thinking, you're not aware that what a treasure trove you've offered. Yeah. A, a friend of mine is um, a, a counselor and an art and an art teacher at a, like a um, private school. At, at, it's a private Jewish school. So it's like very Orthodox as well. Mm. So, um, and so it's just like, like, like the boys and girls have separate recesses. And she told me the story of um, this little girl who came out to her and how it was just like, like it started out as like her and her friends would hold hands because they liked holding hands and they wanted to. And then, um, and she was just like, and that's perfectly okay. Like, like sat her down, like said, it's okay if you feel comfortable doing that. Like, it's not wrong for you to do this. Some people might say it is, and like, and then she's there as a counselor in this position of wanting to keep her job, but also console this child and just be like, and having to explain to her how who you are isn't wrong, but sometimes people will see it that way. Mm. 
and I just like I um I'm I'm going into social work myself and I just like that's um a great um I think like it's a sad but a very important lesson and I'm honestly glad that my friend was there for that girl Mm -hmm. because like she's um since um happy um I don't know if it's a happy ending but like my last update was she's a girlfriend now so and she cut her hair short so nice 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 yeah, that's uh, as I said. Like my mom and I used to to watch a lot of movies. So my uh, the first movie that I remember us watching together was Cabaret, and in Cabaret, like there's there's that scene where they both hooked up with the rich playboy, uh, you know, and uh, and his wife knows that that's what he does. So to me, it was okay. Look, as a kid, I probably should not have watched this movie, but it was also kind of normalized because my mom was like, we were watching it together and we'd watched it many times. So, uh, so I, in some ways I kind of feel like it was my mom fostering that in me, that, that, that acceptance and that, you know, be who you are and and love who you love. Um, Even though she, there are other things that were counter, like her own internalized homophobia would come out from time to time. But then I, have those kind of moments um so it's good that real people again like that to me your story is an example of that there are good people who are in these uh structures that are not necessarily pro-human and Mm -hmm. uh, and they're fighting the good fight yeah yeah um i uh i mean i grew up with a lot of those the things that you said from the 80s and 90s like I I grew up with it and I was I went to school with people who very much uh, had a lot of those mannerisms and attitudes and they smoked their cigarettes you know differently just to you know wait people had different ways of expressing themselves and it wasn't necessarily about emulating what they saw on TV so when I saw it on TV I didn't realize that it was harmful until many years later that I realized oh they're constantly and consistently painting painting with just one stroke of what this experience is like so Mm -hmm. that that was learning that I had to do for myself around it um and at the time, I it wasn't a reflection for me. I didn't know what I actually. I for most of my teenage life, I thought I was not human. So, so I uh, that was just the way I coped with a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Not human. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I mean, I grew up with uh, I. I I do a Star Trek show, and for me, it's like I my character is not from Earth, and uh, that for me is is in honoring of my own childhood. And yes, of course, I am human because that's what the doctors say to tell you. So <laughs> of course, that's true. But it's I felt so as I said about be, feeling like an other. I felt like an other in absolutely so many ways that to me it made it made more logical sense that i was an alien than it did to say that i was a human that people didn't like just because of the color of my skin or the way that i talked or the way that i looked at people or the way that i didn't look at people or the way that like all of those othering things it didn't make sense because i wasn't a bad person i was a kid i was like yeah i did kid things that are annoying yeah. But that's not enough to be hated or shunned for. So so for me, it was just easier. Oh, I've learned from Star Trek that there are these other beings out there that look like us, but they're not like us. Okay, well, that makes sense to me. 
Yeah, I, I I totally get why you came to that conclusion. Like my own um my own manifestation of that was in um like self hatred induced anxiety, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, where I just like I, I went the opposite. Where like like I, I find like that's a good like like escapism kind of coping mechanism. Um, whereas like I just um picked up the habits of everything I do is wrong, and I still deal with such such horrible imposter syndrome like I will be talking about makeup to someone who knows nothing about makeup (laughs) and they will be like oh isn't this concealer and it'll be like contour and I'll be like "Uh, I don't know and that's like like a big part of like 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 throughout the conversation as I like like when I freeze up it's um anxiety (laughs) because it's just like like it's um if i it's a constant fear of saying the wrong thing and it's after years of being taught that everything i say and do is incorrect so i just it's interesting that you um disconnected in that way different choices <laughs> not necessarily better choices but they're the ones that were most natural to me and and i mean i i i am saying the alien thing completely tongue-in-cheek even at that point i knew that it wasn't really real you know like i knew that but for me i would much rather err on that side of things and and to lean into the absurdity of it yeah. than than to i mean and i had deep dark thoughts there was a period of time where i had a rain cloud over me a thunder cloud and i was very proud of the fact that i could extend it out and affect others with it so i'm not saying that my life has been rosy i just recognize that um uh sometimes i make odd choices because it entertains me rather than makes me cry you know so so I, I get that. And in terms of anxiety, uh, yeah, I, I, I've actually suffered, I, I've suffered depression before, but I've suffered more anxiety as an adult than I have as, than I did or was aware of as a, a kid or teen. So I have found like my, my demeanor has changed as a result of having suffered from extreme anxiety and, uh, and then depression because I, I had the anxiety and, and could feel this change and uh, was feeling uh, very diminished. So I, um, I empathize with what you've shared with me. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Shall we um, continue or expand your call? Uh, let's continue. I, and part okay. of that, so so I will tell you, so part of my pauses at the end of thoughts is, uh, so, uh, one of my anxieties now is that I feel like I take up too much space. So I'm, I'm working on that. Part of why I did my show was to get in the habit of taking up space, speaking my mind, sharing my experiences. So it's work I'm continuing to do. But I'm also aware of gender disparity when it comes to conversations that men don't realize that they're taking up 20 minutes. They think they're taking up two minutes. So sometimes I stop for that reason. Okay. That's, that's a very good thing to be um, conscious of. Um, I, I will say I haven't felt like you were doing that. So, um, so as, as a 
form of encouragement. And thank you. Uh, thank you. And I will say that's why I know that it's, that's why I recognize it as anxiety as opposed to nobody has sat me down at any point in my life. I mean, there are times when people say, wow, you really like to talk. I've had that, but, <laughs> but it, not, not since, not since having anxiety. Now that, now that I have been on the other side of this and I'm healing from it, that's when those man thoughts started to manifest in my mind. And uh, so thank you for your validation and your encouragement. Uh, but I also am finished. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How and why are negative queer characters and stories problematic? So, so uh, I just repeat it. Cause there was a bit of a stutter in the line. Oh, okay. How and why are negative queer characters and stories problematic? <sighs> so uh, the obvious answer for me is that most of these narratives, not all of them, but most of them are written from a heteronormative perspective. And they're writing these characters in their mind a lot of times with the idea of, hey, look how inclusive I am being. But from a plot perspective, we need this to happen. We need we need a character that somebody loves to die. So, uh, well, there's this character. They've served their narrative purpose, so we'll kill them off. And, oh, it's the queer person? Okay, whatever. Anyway, yeah. da, 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 da. And so, there uh, similarly if if there is a negative moment that needs to occur it often are these characters and they're really okay so i've said all that the problem with having these problematic queer characters is not that people are trying to make more naturalized stories for queer people it's that they are and end up reinforcing the heteronormative uh perspectives mm -hmm. And so for me, they, it is, it's like the, uh, it's like the trope in horror movies of the black person's going to be the per first person to die. It's, it is, I mean, we are now at a point where we are consciously making that not be true, or at least good filmmakers are doing that. But there are still some who have this throwback attitude of that. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It's just they're just characters. It's somebody has to die and whatever. So I find that similarly, there is pushback from a segment of media creators who are going, uh, that's their problem. I, they, I don't identify with them. I don't care. We need somebody to go or we need somebody to be problematic. What are you saying that there aren't some problematic people or like they use whatever excuse to maintain having that status quo. Mm -hmm. And, and the problem for me with most media is that most of the status quo content is beneath me. And I'm vocal about how it's beneath me. And so uh, I hold, people consider me to hold a high standard for it. And for me, it's no, I just want to have a lot more equity in the representation, in the storylines, in who is making it, let alone who is on film uh, portraying it. Uh, so having problematic queer characters isn't it's not helping 
-hmm. it's not it's not helping because we haven't had enough examples of positive queer representation for you to then go okay so look yes it was it's kind of like how people feel about affirmative actions like well isn't aren't we done with affirmative actions like no because you're still not getting enough people to the level of management to enact true change in the system so likewise until we start getting a whole lot more positive natural not not ham-fisted hookups like you try to do in rom-coms until we get that natural representation in a positive way i have no patience for uh that asshole queer best friend nope that you you want to you want an asshole friend it can be the straight person i'm fine I mean, I don't want them, but you're going to have them. <laughs> Fine. That's who. That's who gets to be. It gets to be Chad. Chad get. And no, Chad doesn't get to have have some kind of uh, coming to moment where suddenly they they get redeemed. No, they're the asshole. Let them be that person. Uh, I. That's for me. <laughs> that's that's the standard that I expect. Uh, it, because uh, we we still have so many people who are going yes, but or well, actually, and until and we're never going to get to a point where those gener where we're going to have this paradigm shift where everybody's on board. That's not the way any of this change happens. So, so I, at this point, no, we need at least 50 years of positive queer representation before we can have that asshole who, Chad, who's also queer. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I've been, I was trying to think of like, like, what can I add on? But like you covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Like, like our, like queer stories are always just focused on being tragic or about sex. And it's just, um, well, I do more than um, that in my life. And I think that seeing that in life is good. Right. <laughs> and this whole thing that, uh, well, my kid's straight and I don't want them. It's like, you know what? They're not, they're not being harmed by seeing people who are queer doing these things like succeeding in life succeeding in business right. succeeding in their uh their emotional relationships with friends family peers that's yeah, there like, there is no harm to that there is harm in 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 continuing a society uh continuing to emulate society as uh it doesn't matter if it's sci-fi romance historical whatever it doesn't matter what the genre of it is if you are continuing to show it that queer is othering the and something that you have to hide or like you can do it over here but you can't do it over there it any of that is garbage and it's artificial and, and it's artificially imposing and it is forcing that back on society. It's a funhouse mirror that we haven't ever needed. Uh, it was only enforced as a result of white bodied Christian supremacy coming in and saying thou shalt and, uh, and shalt and should are both um, wrong. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree with what your pet said. <laughs> my, my cat's name is Zeppelin because he's the color of lead. Nice. Nice. And he's upset because I'm not paying attention to him. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's a tragedy. Um, but yes. Uh, offline, we were talking about She-Ra as an example of um, of queer representation that exists out there. Uh, it actually took me a while to get to the show because um, 
because the characters are teenage Mm-hmm. And I am not a teenager. Uh, I purposely have been trying to keep, like, to have, a, you know, just have that divide between that content isn't for me. There, mm-hmm. there are cartoons that anybody can watch. And, and I would say She-Ra, now that I've seen it, is one of those cartoons. But, uh, but it took me a long time to get into watching it, even though I had been told about the queer representation. Um, I didn't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be that guy that everyone's going, oh, that old guy is into, uh, you know, I didn't need any aspersions. So, but I finally saw it and loved it. And it was an example for me where, yes, there is, uh, I mean, there's obviously there's coding that happens uh, through it because, A, they have to get through the sensors and, uh, and you know, and recognize that not everybody can be out. Uh, but also, um, they, we were talking before about having relationships build and and allowing it to be natural and to go along with that building and that coming together and she wrote for me was an example of, of that and even though i wasn't super happy with the ending uh that is like that's a minute of the entire plot and the arc uh that i can live with as a, okay that's the choice they made um mm-hmm. but for me it was there were so many examples of the acceptance of queer people living their lives and it's not the story that's the that was the main thing about Shira is that this is not a romantic story this is a story about two people who find romance and find get past themselves to to become a partnership in that way but it's really about this other thing and it it doesn't come up as a oh you're you like me that way like there's none of that negative portrayal of the queer experience yeah and um even with having um some of the the queer characters on the bad side they were still such good characters that i didn't mind like it was just because if you're interested in them and for me that is a huge that's the difference because if you're just like like this person's evil because they're queer or um their queerness attributes to their evil persona yes then you're creating a negative queer character but like when you have scorpia so can can i do a check-in with you yes can can on the count of three can we say which side is the is the evil side just so we're to see if we're on the same side oh okay one, two. two. Wait, we're saying the evil side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So one. One, two. Two. Three. The, the horde. Uh, that guy up in the. Oh yeah, the horde. I guess. I guess the horde. Yeah, I guess the horde. I was thinking of the the horde t- prime. Brother, horde prime. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> the only evil side. Yeah. That's evil side. Yeah, everything Catch else was just a funny misunderstanding, really. <laughs> well, well, okay. Well, so not look, a funny I, misunderstanding. I, yeah. Some of the. Ca- characters obviously bought in because they were looking for home and they were looking for yeah. the all of you know they were looking for those things uh so they were enacting but i but i don't consider those evil characters an, an example for me is scorpia scorpia is amazing like i honestly my favorite character of the yeah. whole show uh, and and only a very second uh close uh close second to that were Bo's parents like the two dads were just like oh love it 
right? Uh, and, and again, just living their life, doing their thing, helping the way that they can help. Uh, so, but I wouldn't have considered them to be on the good side. You know what I mean? Like they were good characters. They were, they were living their lives, but I don't know that, you know what I mean? Like in terms of classic good and evil, I, yeah. they were historians. They, only, they, they wanted to protect the artifacts. That's, you know, that was what their gig was. Uh, yeah, anyway. that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Horde, the Horde Prime, uh, Horde Prime, Horde, uh, Hordak and Horde Prime, they were evil. Absolutely. They were, they, the whole reason that they were trying to dominate, uh, the planet was, uh, sorry, this is like deep dive on a specific show. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I guess uh, like we're going to also have to post Shira spoilers. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you trying to be vague for that reason? Got it. No. Nope. Okay. I'll warn people. (laughs) So we're talking about queer representation. Of course, we're going to talk about Shira. (laughs) But but the other thing is, is I haven't said anything that is plot uh, a plot spoil. Yeah, that's true. The fact that there's horde horde deck and horde prime is not a spoil. Mm -hmm. That's that's mentioned. It gets brought up very very early, and it's I mean, now what happens between them? Spoiler. Anyway. Uh, Yeah, no, I was just curious because I guess for me, the idea that they were the princesses, the princesses Mm -hmm. of power, I mean, that's a bit of a throwback to the old Hasbro show. Yeah. But but just because you're a princess doesn't mean that you're good. Yeah. Right? And and just because you make flowers, just to use one of them as an example, she wasn't a good person because she made flowers. She Mm. just, she made flowers. Yeah. And, Even and if she was a good person. Mo- well, as mm-hmm. it turns out, she was a good person. But it wasn't, the act of making flowers wasn't what made her a good person. It yeah. was her using her power later for good that made her, anyway. So it just, <laughs> for me, I, I often find in a lot of these narratives, the idea of the, oh, they're the, like, um, Kylo Ren was a creep on a personal level. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't buy in to a lot of the Empire stuff. In the same way that the, uh, like that general, whatever that general's name was, uh, let's call him Hordak, uh, you know, like <laughs> the, that he, the redhead that he eventually, like that guy was evil. Mm-hmm. Kylo Ren was bad. He was acting in a bad way. And no question about that. But he could have been turned. Like that, that was that narrative of could, you, could this person be turned? So are they acting bad or are they bad? Uh, that general, never be turned. Kylo Ren, crybaby Ren, could possibly have, you know, there was hope, there was a new hope. Um, <laughs> so with the princess, it was the same thing. There was, I mean, there was that one princess, uh, the ice princess, Mermadia. Frosta. Frosta. Or, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, she was cool. No, the other Mermista. one. Yeah. Mermista. Mermista. Oh, I like Mermista. I like, anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love uh, Seahawks so much. <laughs> Just There was a period of time where she was she was acting badly because she had withdrawn. She didn't care. So mm-hmm. by inaction, she was not, she was allowing the horde to spread. So that's a bit of a spoiler, but, but like, that's, that to me is like, so you can't say that she is a good princess at that point. Cause she's, she's not, she's mm-hmm. not acting for the side of good. She's not in She's not intentionally being bad. She's not intentionally being evil, but she's not good. So, so that whole idea of the good side and the bad side, some people are working for the good side or the bad side. Well, she was working for herself. 
Yeah, definitely. She was working for for her entertainment and whatever, and she was bored, and you know she didn't have mm-hmm. uh, self uh, determination at that point. So, I, I find that part of the narrative when when people are saying, "Oh, this was such a good show," and all of these characters were like this, it's like, "Well, wait a second, that character was like this, and this character over here, like, there." Uh, we're yeah, seeing, I, we're 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 looking at different things from our escapism. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love like, like the different perspectives of the princesses and how each one got involved for different reasons. And yeah, of yeah. course, like ultimately it was because of their love for each other that brought them together and made them strong. I love Care Bear logic. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're kidding, but I'm not. I am such a sucker for the power of friendship. My little yeah. pony, I was on that. <laughs> so I, I didn't ever get into my little pony. I know that there are a lot of Trekkies who do go that way, but uh, for me, that really was, I, I had aged out of that one so much. Uh, but, Care, but Care Bears, you know, I, I grew up with an iteration of Care Bears, so I was on board with that, uh, even if I haven't watched it for some time. But as soon as I was watching She-Ra, and that point where all of their powers combine, you know, it's like, I know exactly where they got this, and, and I'm not upset. Yeah, that is one of my favorite, like, like I, um, for me, I, I saw that, um, like, I probably did see it in Care Bears, but, like, it registered for me as, like, Sailor Moon, when, I, like, when they first fight Queen Beryl at the end, and they, and, and they all just, like, like, all their spirits are behind them, and they're doing a power, and, like, Dragon Ball Z does that a whole bunch, too, where it's, like, the spirits of your friends and, like, the, your protectors, and it is, like, one of my favorite visuals of just like everyone banding together and pushing against like I'm gonna use good versus evil but that's just a simplified version of like your enemy there we go of just like like you're coming together to fight against what is harming you and protect your friends and I'm just such a sucker for how cheesy that is and I love it and they all use it because it's a very effective metaphor yeah exactly it it works and a good lesson. Like, <laughs> it's okay. And, and at the same time, it's okay if you have difficulty having friends. Like, that's you as a person that doesn't devalue you. Uh, you know, if you're trying to have friends and that's difficult. But that power of friendship is like, oh, gets me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, it is 10.01. So um, how many questions do we have left? We are eight questions in, so we have 12 questions left. <laughs> um, and we are two okay. hours and two minutes into the show. So I am going to say maybe we should just wrap this up into a nice conversation about the importance of queer representation and maybe call it a night. Unless you want to sit around for another two and a half hours. We are in quarantines, so my options are uh, are this or go and watch more content. So uh, I am okay to end it, though. I, I feel like we've had a good conversation. I feel like the first couple of questions were like, okay, let's back and forth a little bit, and then we really got into stride. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. I, but I need you to start, because I've been starting okay. all the other ones. All right. I, I feel very greedy. Oh, not at all. You, you are my guest. <laughs> <laughs> and as a guest at your table, let me please, please serve yourself first. 
<laughs> well, um, I have had an amazing two hours talking to you. I think that I like. I think that we've talked about a lot of important things, and I think that we've also done it in an entertaining way that the viewers will enjoy and appreciate. So I um, I am so glad for how everything's how everything is gone. I'm glad for what we've touched on, and I am quickly looking at the notes, and I'm not really seeing anything that I think we forgot. So I think even in our conversation in between the questions, I think we covered it all. Yes. So we, we win it. the internet. Yeah, we we win the internet with our and. <laughs> we did the, the the crisis of um the importance of the the importance of the issue of media of poor queer representation in the media has been solved uh congratulations good job <laughs> uh thank you very much for this time i did have a good conversation with you i feel like even the questions that uh that have a they have a heavy content it's heavy it's serious conversations that need to occur more across more communities uh, but I at no point did I feel like I was bummed out or uh, or lost hope or uh, or perspective on anything and uh, and I appreciate that we could have a, a frank and safe conversation yeah I I am too like that is um, the whole intent of of the of the series and sober show is well we want, I want to talk about serious and sobering things because well, someone has to. Yeah. <laughs> so I will. Um, I, I will sign off here. Um, and I have been Ray Lockdust. This is Velvet Wells, and thank you all so much for tuning in and enjoying. And I hope everyone learned so much because I think we did. So. <laughs> <laughs>